So what's your podcast about? Superheroes. It's a little geeky, but I think you guys are going to like it. Try not to be too geeky. No, I can't promise that. Should we begin? It's a bird. It's a plane. It's the Geek and You Shall Find podcast. And now, your hosts, Kelsey Dickerson, Brad Fay, Kate Fay, and Noah Berlin. Hold on to your butts. Welcome to the Geek and You Shall Find podcast. My name is Noah Berlin. I am riding solo with you all today as my fellowship, the rest of the Superhero Faces crew, are wandering around Middle Europe doing some work for an upcoming docu-series for Superhero Faces. So make sure to check that out and check back for some news about that as well. For those of you watching on YouTube, I'd like to introduce you to my co-host for today, the Samwise Gamgee to my Frodo Baggins, my main crime partner. This is Calvin. Now, Calvin and I just watched episode five of Lord of the Rings, The Rings of Power, which is called Partings. So we're about to dive right in with you and talk about everything that we just saw. But first, I feel like it's important to give some backstory that will help set the stage and provide some context about some of the things that we hear and that we see in episode five, namely the Silmarils. So we've talked in previous episodes about Aru Iluvatar, who is the benevolent god who created the Valor, which were the demigods. Morgoth was one of these who went bad. The Maiar, which are kind of like angels. Uh, these include Gandalf, Saruman, and even Sauron. Those were all Maiar, uh, and the creation of the world itself. But so in the early days of creation, before there was even a sun to light up the sky, there were two trees in the blessed elven realm of Amon, which provided light for the entire world. Now, Fëanor, who would later become the high king of the elves, he was a talented maker of things. He created the seven Palantir, which were the seeing stones. Uh, of fine jewelry and some other things. He also created the Silmarils. Now, the Silmarils were three jewels. They captured the combined luminescence of these two sacred trees and therefore the light of the entire world. The Silmarils were supposedly the most incredible works ever created. They were suffused with light, with beauty, and were a wonder to all that looked upon them. So obviously they were coveted by a lot of people, both good and bad. So Feanor, it's kind of a tragic story with this guy. He developed a Smeagol-like relationship with the Silmarils where he coveted them above all else. He became suspicious of anyone, of anything, and thought that basically everyone was out to get him and out to steal these gems. Ultimately, Morgoth, the big bad Sauron's uh, boss, did steal the Silmarils. So Feanor and his sons vowed to get them back, and they took an oath that would turned out to be very problematic for the family and everybody else on Middle-earth. They said that their oath would bind them to the Silmarils and that they would find these Silmarils at all costs, kill anybody who possessed them, whether they're friend or foe. So this oath led to the deaths of countless people throughout multiple wars over thousands of years. And even after, after Feyner's death, even after his son's death and Morgoth's defeat, the Silmarils remained lost. That will lead up to the events and some of the things happen in this episode. But as we know, J.R.R. Tolkien's other masterwork, other than The Hobbit, other than the Lord of the Rings books, is called The Silmarillion, which references Feanor, who is the creator of the Silmarils and the catalyst of much of the conflict, which led up to the end of the First Age. So now that we understand a little bit about the Silmarils and their importance, let's get into the episode 
And I'm going to be talking about my five big takeaways from this episode, which was called The Parting. Takeaway number one, The Rising Darkness. Uh, we'll talk about a few characters here that you just see kind of starting to go bad a little bit. Not necessarily evil, but we know that the goal of Sauron is to sow divisiveness and sow darkness uh, that will spread across all of Middle-earth and all the different kingdoms to lead to what ultimately happens in The Lord of the Rings. So first off, High King Gil-galad, he's the High King of the Elves, and he tells Elrond the story called The Song of the Roots of Hithilgir. This is essentially the creation story of Mithril, which we see in the previous episode with Durin. But the story is about a battle over a tree that held the light of the last of the Silmarils. As we talked about, the Silmarils were, lo were lost, and this one tree contained the light of the last of these Silmarils. So the battle took place between an elven warrior and a Balrog of Morgoth. And as the end unending battle took place, lightning struck down on the tree. The power of the Silmaril now, combined with the light of the elf and the hatred of the Balrog, created this Mithril. And it was, quote, as pure as light up, up, as pure and light as good, as strong and unyielding as evil. And so we see a theme of these characters in this episode, starting with High King Gilgalad, who make these kind of shady decisions and they think they're doing it for the right reasons, for the survival of the elves, for example. But they start making, um, you know, betrayals and things like that, which ultimately is starting down a path of just going bad and accomplishing what Sauron wants. Moving on to Isildur. So we know this guy is down bad a little bit. He's trying to make up for it. He wants to do something, quote, worthy of Numenor. And so he's trying to find his way onto the ship to go to Middle-earth and, and join the battle for the Southlanders and help the forces of good. And when he's talking to his friend, uh, he's like, come on, just put in a good word for me. Help me rejoin the group that could go to Middle Earth. And the friend's like, listen, man, I'm not I'm not doing that for you. But one day I hope you find something that you'd sacrifice anything for. And I'm sitting here thinking, yeah, he finds that. It's the one ring and he fucks up everything or he doesn't cast it into the fires of Mount Doom. He gets corrupted by it. And, and that's what it is. So that's a little foreshadowing there. Then Hallbrand. He says, quote, you don't know what I did before I ended up on that raft. You don't know how I survived, how we all survived. Galadriel then says, sometimes the, we to find the light, we must first touch the darkness. And it's really setting him up to be a kind of sympathetic, reluctant king, similar to Aragorn. And I just don't think it's going to go that way. Uh, he just seems like it's all a red herring a little bit for the audience who's watching him and and think it's going to go one way, and ultimately it's going to be bad. We talked about that a little bit in previous episodes. So if you haven't seen that, uh, make sure to check that out. But it's also kind of messed up, I'm thinking about it, because Galadriel is putting in work. She is really trying to convince this guy to come with her to Middle-earth. And he's like, just leave me alone. I want to work on the forge in Numenor. And she keeps laying on thick. You got to come. You got to come. He obviously does. And if it turns out that he becomes a big bad, whether he is Sauron, whether he is the Witch King, whether he is a Nazgul or whoever, but if he's bad and the whole reason that he turns to that path in Middle-earth is because Galadriel is basically forcing him to go with her, that'd be pretty messed up. So, uh, yeah. Then we have the Stranger. I'm very torn on the stranger because on one hand, I'm very convinced that this guy is Sauron. We saw 
two shots that were the flashbacks of when the meteor crashed down and you see him laying there in this fiery wreckage. And to me, I haven't seen anybody talking about this, but to me, this looked exactly like the eye of Sauron. It was a shot from above of him laying in the fetal position, the fire all around him. And it looked just like the eye, which would have been a perfect foreshadowing to the eye of Sauron, as, as we said. So I don't know. I, I could also see him being one of the blue wizards. I mean, he he has these nice interactions with Nori and the Harfoots. By the way, I did do research on this. The plural of Harfoot is not Harfeet. It is indeed Harfoots. But, you know, he says, I'm peril. I'm good. He's like, he's learning these things. And I think in general, no matter what, this guy is a Maiar. Uh, we talked about how Gandalf, the wizards are Maiar. So is Sauron. Uh, and really what it is, these are super powerful otherworldly beings that exist on the world in kind of an avatar state. And so they're living in a mortal body. As you see kind of Gandalf, when he dies, he kind of comes back and is resurrected after Fellowship of the Ring. Um, and so it seems like he's learning how to exist with language, with interactions, with the certain powers that he's able to do. And so I don't know. I'm, I'm pretty positive that he's a Maiar. On one hand, I'm really thinking that this guy's going to end up being Sauron. On the other hand, uh, he does some things that are nice and, and helping out. And, you know, he didn't kill those creatures, but he helped defend uh, the, the Harfoot. And so, uh, yeah, I don't know. They're, they're really doing a good job of setting this up, though, because they couple the ominous music and him kind of hurting Nori by accident as he's getting comfortable with these powers that he has or, or exploring these powers. Uh, and it really could go either way. So we'll see. But make sure to drop in the comments. Let me know what you are thinking, if you think it is Sauron or a, a bad person like that, or if, if he's going to end up being good. My second takeaway, the Harfoot and just music in general. This, to me, felt more Tolkien-esque than anything that we've seen so far. As we know in the, in the movies, in Lord of the Rings and the Hobbit movies and the books, there's songs all throughout this. So, so hearing... Poppy Proudfellow singing this song all about the migration of the Harfoot. It was really cool and it was interesting. And they had little cuts of different places that they were. And she said one of the lines that she kept repeating the song was not all who wonder or wander are lost. And that was straight from Tolkien's poem that was written in the Fellowship of the Ring that opens all that is gold does not glitter, not all those who wander are lost. You've probably seen that quote on tattoos or you know, on posters or something like that too. Not all those who wander are lost is a pretty famous quote and is attributed to Tolkien. So it was cool. It echoed this exactly. And it also made me thinking about the difference between the Harfoot people and the Hobbits. Uh, as we know, the Hobbits, they don't come into the story until the Third Age. So they're not even existing yet. And the, the Harfoot, the Harfoots are the ancestors of the Hobbits. So we see that the Harfoots, they migrate. That's how they survive. They move from place to place. They stay camouflaged, all that. And yet we know that the Hobbits, they live in the Shire. They never leave the Shire for any circumstance. That's why it's so interesting what Bilbo does, what Frodo does when they leave. It's so uncharacteristic of their kind. And I wonder if that's what they, they learn to do, what the Hobbits learn to do. Just stay in one place. Do not move around because of something maybe terrible that happens to the Harfoots, since we know that the Harfoots do not exist in the events of Lord of the Rings. Takeaway number three, 
my LVPs of the day. We're changing the structure up, as you could tell, uh, of this episode, but still need to do LVP because there was a couple that were hands down the worst. Number one would be Kemen. Kemen is the son of Farazan, who is the chancellor of Numenor. This guy took two bad L's today in this episode. First, he just got bodied by his father. Farazan took him to school. Uh, he He's like, Dad, you can't, you can't be letting them go to Middle Earth. We can't do this. And he's like, listen, dumbass, like, I got a plan here. Well, I don't know what you think is happening, but I got a plan. He's like, when this is all over, the elves will take orders from us. So first of all, I think that Farazan's going to end up doing some really bad things probably when Muriel is gone in Middle Earth and, and Farazan's going to end up being a bigger and more important uh, antagonist, I think, in this show. But he just didn't see that conversation going that way. Kemen really took the L there. And then he he went on the uh, the ship trying to take it upon himself to blow up the ship so they couldn't go. And he almost got himself killed. He had to be saved by Isildur. So I don't know. This guy was just taking L's, looking stupid left and right this episode. The other one was Waldreg. Waldreg is the, the human, the old guy who is the kind of voice of dissent against fighting and standing up against the orcs. He's the one that led the group to join Adar and his group there. And it was funny, man, because he comes up with the group and he's like, I serve you, Sauron. And, and Adar like fucking threw him to the ground or, or hurt him. And he's like, hold on a second. You're you're not Sauron? Um, well, who are you? I'll, whoever you are, I'll serve you. It's fine. And then he just looked like an idiot. And then he had to, to uh, kill Theo's friend, that other kid, because, quote, only blood combined, says Adar. So... Uh, our guy Waldreg, not looking good, and and he's probably not long for this world. Fourth takeaway of the episode: elves and dwarves. Right, we see this awesome chemistry, chemistry, this awesome friendship between Elrond and Prince Doran. There's that awesome scene at the dinner table when they're eating with the High King and Linden, and Durin. You know, he looks sad. He's talking about this material that the table that they're sitting on is made of, and how it's sacred. It's it's used only to honor the dwarves who are dead and be part of the burial rituals that they have. And, you know, asking kind of where they acquire this. And so, you know, as to not offend, the high king was like, I I'm so sorry. You know what? You can take this table back with you and, and use it to honor whatever you need to honor. And we find out later he just made up that entire story because his wife wanted a new table. So that was just great. It shows the the kind of how uh, Elrond had his back a little bit and just the humor there. But Durin is a G and would probably be my MVP of this episode anyway. But beyond that, Elrond challenges the High King uh, for being a liar, for misleading him about the real reason that he went to Khazad-dûm and, and visited Durin. Uh, and, you know, Elrond, he kept his vow to not say anything about the mithril at first but he's be he's between a rock and a hard place because the elves believe the high king believes that the blight is real we see the tree that's there in linden and it's being corrupted and it really represents the kind of growing darkness of everything that will soon get more and more corrupted in the eye uh, the arrival of sauron but he's elrond's in a tough spot right because he wants to honor his friend he wants to keep his oath but he also thinks you know that that getting this mithril from the dwarves might be the only way to save his people so it's what do you do it's tough and you can kind of see the seeds being planted of betrayal there and potentially in 
an ultimate falling out between the elves and the dwarves over the mithril because we know that the elves at some point will get this mithril and it probably is not going to make the dwarves very happy and my final uh my final takeaway from the episode takeaway number five would be the converging on the southlands this episode is called partings which is applicable for multiple reasons First, Galadriel, Hallbrand, Muriel, and the Numenorean army, they're all sailing away from the island to get to Middle-earth. The Harfoots, the Stranger, they're all migrating. They're going to the same place. Adar and the Orcs, they're heading to the Southlands as well. And we know that the humans are holed up in the watchtower that is currently there. So it's everyone's verging on the same place, the Southlands, which we know will then turn into Mordor. And it's setting up what I think is going to be an epic battle, Helm's Deep style, which will probably be the climax of this season, which will take place at the abandoned watchtower. Adar talks about his plan and he's, he forces one of the orcs to expose its skin to the sun and burns. And he says, quote, soon it will be gone. And with it, the part of me that knew warmth, I will miss, I will miss it. So that's Adar telling us his plan for the Southlands. We know in the events of Lord of the Rings that Mordor is completely barren. Mount Doom has erupted and covered the entire lands in ash and smoke. And since the sun has been blotted out, the orcs are free to roam, to come and go as they please and not have to worry about the suns there. So it's obvious that this is the ultimate plan for Adar. And they talk about the hilt that Theo has, that Waldreg had, and that Adar is trying to get. They talk about that being a sort of a key. So could that hilt be a key to make all this happen, to maybe a key to do something magical where it will cause the eruption of Mount Doom and the establishment of Mordor? I don't know, but it sounds like uh, we're on to something there. So anyway, those were my five takeaways from today's episode. I love still doing with this with you with my guy Calvin, even though the rest of my crew is not here. But I promise you, for our next episode, I will have some special guests with me talking everything Westeros and the new episode of House of the Dragon, which premieres on Sunday. So that's going to do it for this episode of the Geek and You Shall Find podcast. Appreciate you guys joining us, watching on Spotify, other or excuse me, listening on Spotify and other podcasting platforms, watching on YouTube. Please make sure to follow us on Facebook and Twitter. It's at Superhero Faces there. On Instagram, it's at superhero underscore faces. And again, thanks for getting geeky with us. To all our listeners in Italy, ciao, and we'll see you next time. Say bye, Calvin. Bye.